Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, The reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 17, um, verses 22 to the end of the chapter. So that's Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to the end of that chapter. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see... In every way, you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To the unknown God. So, you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live And move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. An image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. Good morning. My name's Corinne Oliver, and I'm your speaker for this morning. Can you all hear me? Good. And I love that passage because... 
when I was reading this, it told me when I was like praying about it, I loved how Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he went to Athens and he was speaking to the people, he met them where they were. And it says Paul was a religious Jew. And so before his conversion, he knew the Ten Commandments. He lived by the Ten Commandments. That Paul himself was a persecutor of Christians. And when God spoke to him and totally transformed him, totally changed his mind about Christianity. And he became a real follower of Christ and Jesus. And when he went to the people of Athens, he knew that they were worshipping idols. And he would have seen in the city, and one scholar says, in the city of Athens at that time, there was more idols than there was people. So can you imagine that on every street corner, there'd be like a god or there'd be a statue or, and there'd be people worshipping different gods, the god of thunder and the, the, the god of rain and the god of harvest and all stuff like that. And Paul's seen that this was going on. And he could have went in and he could have said, you heathens, these are sinners. There's only one god. But he didn't. He went into the city and he says he was distressed, but he prayed. And he thought to himself, how can I reach these people? How can I tell them about the God that I know? And he met them where they were. And he said, people of Athens, I see you are very religious. I see that you worship an unknown God. Let me tell you about him. And Paul stood up in the synagogues. And he stood up in the, the, the marketplaces. And he spoke to the people. And he spoke to them where they were. And he had a job. He was, he was tent making. He didn't come in with this, I've been converted, I know the Lord God and you will know him. He says, I know Jesus and you too can know him. And for me, I just, when I was reading an unknown God and I couldn't get the phrase out of my mind and all week I was thinking, two weeks ago, an unknown God, an unknown God. And I believe that our friends and our family or like the people of Athens, them too do not know God. Like we know God. An unknown God to them. And this passage can be transferred to everyday living today. And I really believe that God wants to use us to reach his people. And he says so in his word. He says we are the body of Christ. We have the same power in us that Paul had that anybody else had who chooses to believe in the Lord Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us today. And God desires his children to be saved. He desires more of us. He desires more should not perish. And we have that ability within us, just like Paul did. Um, and this week I was speaking to the girl who told me she had, I was sitting and I was talking with her and she said to me, oh, I have a third eye. Well, straight away I was freaked out. I was like, oh, here we go. You know, and do you know when people speak to you sometimes about like sort of spiritual stuff and um, stuff that they're dabbling, you do get a little bit, oh, you know, the minute you said third eye, I don't know where it was, where I kind of looked behind me, so I go, oh, you know, and it's silliness really, but I just thought, oh, there's nothing there. And then I remembered, no. At the name of Jesus, every demon flees. And so I prayed that in my mind. And I know that years ago, when I was first a Christian, if she had said that to me, I would have said to her, oh, you're wrong, that's wrong, oh, you want to stop doing that. But I didn't. I prayed first before I spoke. 
And that's what Paul did. Paul went around Athens and he, he's seeing the people and he's seeing what they were involved in. He thought, right, I need to think about this before I start speaking to them. And as it happens, God created an opportunity for me to say to that girl, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in the, the power of the resurrection. I believe that Jesus sets us free. I don't believe that I need to, to go and you know, visit a spiritualist or a medium. I believe in the Holy Bible. And she was like, so do you think the Bible's real? And I was like, oh, yes, the Bible is real. And I said, you know, it's, it's Holy Spirit breathed. It's a living Bible. And we had this fantastic conversation. And it all opened because I thought before I said anything. And that's what the Apostle Paul is. And I think sometimes that's where we and myself included have gone wrong at times when we're telling people about Jesus. I remember when I became a Christian first and I went to see my mum and me and my mum hadn't got on for years. So when I became a Christian, it was all, oh, get in, it's amazing, it's fantastic, Jesus is real and what have I been doing with all my life and I can't believe that I'm converted and why did I not have this years ago and I went and knocked on my mum's door and as I say, we hadn't really spoke properly and I knocked on her door and I said, I forgive you. <laughs> for all the bad things you've done, for all the sin you've done. And my mum just stood there and was like, you what? And I was like, Jesus is real. Come to church. You need to be converted. You need to be, you know, knowing the living Jesus. Come on, you're a sinner. Come get saved. And she just looked at me and she was peeling titties and she threw the titty at me and went, get out. Right? And I was like, you know, so sometimes we do get really like so enthused for God. And there's nothing wrong with being enthusiastic for Jesus, you know. As my brother puts it, let's have a big up for Jesus, you know. <laughs> and he'll often say, well, you're big enough for Jesus today. And I'll say, yes, actually I was, because I really believe that Jesus wants to know each and every one of us personally. And that's why he died for us. And as I say, Paul, I just, I love Paul because he was so in tune with the people and as I say would have known that was wrong to, to worship idols and he wanted to lead them he wanted to lead the people of Athens to an unknown God the unknown God that he knew existed and I really believe the people of Athens were seeking he saw a goodness in them he saw something in them that there was they wanted to know more and he went and he spoke about the Lord Jesus. And at the end of the chapter, it says, some people followed. Some people were on the fence thinking, mm, I don't know. But we all have friends and family like that when we speak about people that are sitting on the fence. that are sitting and they're waiting and they're like, oh, this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing. I'm not really sure. And we all know people like that. And I think for those type of people, we need to be, be getting more serious about praying for them. And not giving up. I know there's people in my life that I've prayed for them for years and years and years. And then suddenly I've thought, eh, well, that, that's not going to happen. You know, when you think like that, bro, I feel that's the enemy getting in. I feel that's the enemy saying, oh, your prayers, just give up for them. Don't pray for them. Go and pray for somebody else. But we shouldn't be like that. Charlotte Gamble says, in the church today, the biggest weapon the enemy has for us is apathy. And I really agree with that. I agree with because I think sometimes we do become apathetic and we just think that nothing's happening, but we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realms. So don't give up. My nana prayed for me all her life and she never ever seen the fruits of her prayers. She never seen that I became a Christian. She never seen that. My mum, I prayed for my mum after that incident. I decided that I would just pray for her rather than, you know, 
tried to tell her how bad she was and how much she needed the Lord Jesus. And I think it was um, over 10 years later, 10 years of being restored to each other, 10 years of hurt, healed, that she became a Christian. And it was just before she died, she became a Christian. It was, it was really lovely yesterday because we sang the song, Such Love, um, for Deb to come down the aisle to. And my mum read that song in a church, a Catholic church. She hadn't put her clock back or forward, and she was early. So she was sitting on her own waiting for the Catholic Mass, picked up a hymn book, and she read Such Love. And that song just transformed her mind and her heart at that moment in time. But that is the beauty of Jesus. That is the, the power of the living word. And that is the power of God, that nothing is wasted. Even the people in Athens, when they were going around and they were worshipping the wrong thing, God used Paul to turn it around. He used Paul to bring some people to himself. And that's what God can do. And that's, that's why I'm really excited about Chaldean. I feel like we've had a little bit of a shake-up and a little bit of a facelift. Suddenly we're out there in the community. We're doing carol services. We're doing quizzes. We're doing events. We're doing ladies' events. We haven't done this much in two years. And it's like, whoa, now we're going. Now we're full steam ahead. Now we're, we have like, we're not apathetic anymore. Now we have something that we want. We want to see the lost saved. We have a real desire for the lost. We have a real desire for our friends and our family. And that's what Chaldean's all about. And I really believe that Chaldean is a church who is absolutely brilliant at loving the broken, at loving the people who come through them doors. And that's what I really like about this church because we have a desire to see people made whole in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should never, ever lose that. And I am excited about the things that are going on. I want to teach you a new word. And it's called, it said, it's metanoia. Right, so come on, say it with me. Metanoia. Thanks, Margaret. Right. <laughs> Again, metanoia. Again? Metanoia. metanoia, and that's Greek. And that is the word Paul used when he spoke to the people in Athens. He would have used the Greek word metanoia. And that means, it's when he told them to repent. Now, metanoia in Greek means transformation of the mind. So when Paul was speaking to these people in Athens, learned scholars and poets and people like that, he was wanting their mind to be transformed. It wasn't just to like, oh, right, I'm sorry, I'll start again. It, it's a transformation, and he was saying to the people of Athens, come on, metanoia, a transformation of the mind to transform you into this to this. It's an ongoing thing, and that's with the Christian faith, that's with us. Metanoia, transformation, it's an ongoing thing, and that is with repentance as well. I think repentance, people mistake repentance for saying, oh, I'm sorry, and then that's it. And then you go and do the same thing again, you know? Um, I heard of some man, and he was, you know, not very nice to his family. He was angry all the time. He was verbally abusive, and then he would cry, and then he would say, I'm sorry, and then it would happen again the next week. And then I would say, I'm sorry. And then it would happen again. And the pastor said to him, you are not sorry because you are still doing the same things. You need to be renewed.
you need to be transformed. The things inside you, what make you angry and make you this aggressive, need to be looked at and need to be dealt with. And you need a transformation of how you are feeling and how you are thinking, a transformation. And that transformation, when it starts in the head, it can't help but seep down to the heart. So your head and your heart are transformed. And that is what Paul was saying to the people in Athens. And that's what we, we need for our friends and family, a, a transformation. Some people, when you speak about church or when you speak about Jesus, they just glaze over. It's just like a, mm, yeah, mm, mm, yeah. What am I having for dinner? <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd put the washing in. You know, that's what happens. And I think sometimes we, we, we need to reach people where they are. Go and have some coffee with someone instead of saying, you know, come to church, come to church. Why don't I have coffee with you? Why don't I, I come to yours? Why don't we meet up and go to the pictures? You know, a transformation of how we think and how we do church. You know, and I, I think that once we start loving people, and our, our feelings of transformation for ourselves, it can't help or affect people and it can't help or affect our neighbours and our friends and our family because Jesus is living within us. Jesus is transforming us slowly. But we have to desire that transformation. We have to desire to uh, repent. Someone once said to me, and I think, or was Derek Foster, short account with God. And I think we really need to live by those words and be transparent. And you'll find that you've changed. I really feel I've changed from when I first became a Christian. I've totally changed from where I first thought to where I think now and how I live my life. Um, and that's because the word of God, it's living, it's not stagnant, it's not stale, and it, transfer, it transforms you, us, each and every one of us. And sometimes, you know, you think things, and then when you're reading the Word of God, you read something, and then you just think to yourself, hang on a minute. Oh, that, that's different today. That's different to what I was thinking yesterday. And I, I believe that Christian, Christian life should be a life that's always been challenged, that's always been transformed, that's always been changed. Shane Hip said, Christianity is fundamentally a communion event and you can't live and be a Christian on your own. You do need friends and you do need family. Even Paul, when he was in Athens, he stayed with a family and he made tents for that family and then he went out. And that's why I think the house groups are great to, to get alongside each other, to get to know each other, to pray for each other. And then you, these events that we do, we can bring people into the church, bring people to the church that the church is active. We're not just sitting here on a Sunday morning saying, oh yeah, great is our God and singing fantastic songs and then going out and not saying God at all all week. We're saying God now in the church with these events and long may they continue and, and get better. And, you know, my real desire is to see the lost saved. My real desire is to see those closest to me know Jesus in the way I know him. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you're so excited. And it's not saying, come, come to church, read the Bible, it's great, and everything's going to be all right. It's, we're not saying that. I feel what we're saying is, come to church and know the Lord Jesus, and he'll give you strength for this life, for this life, to do what you have to do in this life. St. Francis of Assisi said on his deathbed, let us begin again, because yet we have done nothing 
And I believe that when we start thinking that there's an exciting life to have, there's an exciting thing to, to, to share God's love, Jesus, I think we will begin again each and every day. And I'd just like to read some of the characteristics of God. God's primary characteristics are he's majestic, his presence is everywhere, he's all-knowing, all-powerful, unchanging. And James, he says, every good gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. And that's what God is. He does not change. And that's his characteristics. That's God's characteristics. And he shares characteristics with man. He shares wisdom, kindness, goodness, holiness, and love. God shares his love with us, and he shared his love through the Lord Jesus, and we need to share that love with others. And those characteristics are in us. Believe it or not, they're in you, they're in me. The characteristics of God when you're born again of the Holy Spirit and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you today. I'm going to read you a poem now. It's by my favourite author. It's only a, a short piece of a poem. It's by Mary Oliver. It's entitled, When Death Comes. When I was had this at home and I was reading it and my daughter said to me oh well that's a lovely little poem to be reading isn't it <laughs> when death comes <laughs> what time are your services people will be saying <laughs> it says when it's over I want to say all my life I was I was a bride married to amazement I was a bridegroom taking the world in my arms when it's over I don't want to wonder if I've made my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened and full of argument. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. And I love that imagery. I love the fact that she's saying, when I come to the end of my life, I want to be thought on as a braid in amazement. A bridegroom taking the world into my arms. I want to think that I've done everything I could have done in this life. And when you think about it, this life, it's not long. The Apostle Paul, he dedicated his life to seeing the lost saved, to preaching the gospel, to preaching the word of God. He dedicated his life to that. And I think we should dedicate our lives to that too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning that we can come here and get to know you more. And I pray, Lord God, that we as a church, we can go out into the world, Lord, and feel that we're taking the world into our arms with you right beside us. In Jesus' name, we pray these prayers. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.